0: follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: I'm uh, overjoyed welcome my next guest, Dr. Stephen Mobley, a good friend of mine. Uh, We go back a number of years. You may notice he hasn't been appearing with us as regularly as uh, in the early days of the coronavirus. And that is, while bad news for us, uh, very good news for him. He's in the elective surgery business, uh, MobleyMD.com. And uh, if you remember, we moved back into a circumstance here in the state of Utah where uh, elective surgeries were able to be performed again. And uh, that has taken up much of his time. So when we're able to uh, steal him away, Away from a patient or two. Uh, I, I am uh, very grateful. Dr. Mobley, sir, how are you?
2: Lee, it's great to be back on. Yeah, I missed the, uh, the good old days of the slowdown where we had more time uh, d- during the middle of the week to catch up.
1: Honestly, it, it's almost good news. It means to me, at least, that we're moving away from uh, this massive interruption that has been the, the coronavirus. So uh, as much as I'd like to speak to you, uh, maybe the less you and I speak means the closer we're getting back to, to normal.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I will give your listeners some interesting statistics. We've been testing everyone that comes into our surgical facility for COVID, and our test is an on-the-spot test that tests for current infection as well as past infection. So far, and we do heavy verbal screening, we've had no positive cases. And in some of the larger institutions where I get some of their emails, like IHC or the, the larger institutions around the, the, the valley, they're seeing maybe like one per one hundred of someone who is asymptomatic but does test positive. So still a lot of safety in elective health care. People are being screened, so you know, if you've been putting off your colonoscopy or your routine health whatever, now's a good time to get back to your doctor and not let that problem fester.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this problem a number of times. It really can't be overlooked any longer. If, uh, uh, if you had to postpone anything either by personal fear or by policies of your medical provider, uh, let's get that procedure on the books now and get yourself sorted out so you're not uh, holding on to something lingering unbeknownst to you. Last Friday. Medical leaders from throughout the state, representatives from the the larger hospital systems, got together and they spoke in some very strong terms. Uh, they urged the the governor to put in place a statewide mandate for these masks to be worn, uh, in, insisting that that uh, is what we need to uh, to to what flatten the curve, or slow the curve, put an end to this virus. They also talked about uh, schools uh, and whether or not we'd be able to return to normal schooling in the fall. How, how does that all strike you, the schooling question in particular?
2: Yeah, I find the schooling thing interesting, and I guess there's different types of schooling, you know, there's the K through twelve, university level schooling. I mean in general, while your national evening news loves to highlight the one, you know, twenty one year old who died of COVID, in general, you know, for the younger people, the school age people, it's it's gonna be really unlikely they're going to, you know, die from this disease. Some will be asymptomatic, some may have a bad Cold or flu. I guess the question really is if you want to be a little more strategic and you believe that there's a value to the socialization of being physically together in a classroom, I think you almost need to turn the emphasis away from the students, but think about the teachers. You know, what if you have a 65 plus year old teacher with a history of emphysema? Now maybe that teacher should not be in the classroom. So changing the focus from maybe what's best for the students, but what's the safest for the teacher. And I think you might also, if I was, you know, on the public policy debate there, look at students that have multi-generational people in their
1: households Mm.
2: uh, versus maybe, you know, the student that goes home to mom and dad that are in their 30s or 40s. So, you know, if grandma's at home, maybe that student has to be handled differently than the student that goes home to parents that could be in their more 30s or 40s, which classically is kind of the age of parents for the K through 12 students.
1: You uh, are not only a doctor but a parent yourself. Would you have any problem sending your students right now, in, or your children rather, right now, as circumstances are, as the the case counts come each day? Would you have any problem sending them to school?
2: Personally, no. Um, I mean, I'm, fi- I'm about to be fifty one. Actually, tomorrow is my birthday, so I'm, I'm oh. fifty, going on fifty one. Um, I wish I was still in my 40s because you know it changes everything when you hit that 50 in terms of which bracket they sort of count my illness in. Mm-hmm. But I felt like you know I'm, I'm in decent shape. If I got it, I'd probably you know pull through. Might miss some work, obviously. Um, I would personally, with my healthy children and my generally healthy self and healthy wife, I would probably want my kids back in school. I saw that them being at home kind of made them stir crazy. Um, but again, it's it's easier to say if you're a little bit on the on the youngest side. And if I don't, if I had grand parents in my house and stuff that that would be a different scenario how do i let my kid go to school and come home what if i live with my parents or my in-laws who are in their 80s now that immediately becomes a very difficult decision because i think it would be a threat to the older people in my household if my 15 year old son was coming home from high school and 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 being near my parents that that that's not an easy answer we've been talking about that since back in march you and i
1: there are guidelines and guidance and in some cases mandates handed down to communities and states municipalities that uh, fact, impact everyone equally and we mm-hmm. have conversations like you and I have had numerous times and you see uh, others you know spout off on exactly this same line of thinking that the focus really ought to be on the most vulnerable and for some reason plans that are tailor made to protect or isolate even uh, the 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 elderly population, the higher risk folks, folks seem to be shunned, and much of the rationale Ah uh, presented in that shunning uh, stems from you know ideas of unfairness. Do you have any idea why that may be? No, I
2: mean I think you make a very valid point, and it's something that I've been saying from the very beginning is you know we need to if you watch your evening news, I mean, what do we get? We always get wash your hands and social okay, we got it. and I think I think the public messaging has been great. and those are i'm not I'm not dismissing those. I'm just I'm just saying I think we've all heard that enough. yeah. I've yet to hear a national or local leader like come up here's our strategic plan for people sixty five and older with medical conditions. I mean that remains the biggest question that no one's really started that public conversation on because I the more I think about it, I just think if you fall into a high risk bracket, I mean the chances you're gonna sort of have a normal interactive life in the foreseeable next, you know, six plus months, it's sad to say, but I think you have to kind of stay hunkered down because you are at risk. You're in that age group with another medical condition that puts you at a much higher risk of this being a life threatening flu virus. So I I'd like to see more debate on and, and not just debate but just discussion about what do we do about people who are of a certain age with certain medical conditions who we know when their mortality risk jumps into that 20, 25%, that's, that's very serious.
1: And, and once we're willing and able to, to talk along those lines, we can apply that to all of these other areas. You mentioned schools, uh, shopping mm-hmm. places. It, it, it's easily, I think, applied once we just get over this hump and accept that together we do have to look uh, along these lines, at least have the conversation. Dr. Mobley, uh, yes. always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Lee,
2: it's a pleasure. You, you, you're, you're your, you do great service to your audience, and I always enjoy listening to you.
1: All right. Dr. Stephen Mobley, MobleyMD.com.